Thanks for listening to DIY for Business. It's Russ and Greg with you. Greg, how you doing? I am doing well. I tried to sprinkle in a little more Latin flavor tonight. Oh, nice, nice. Well, I guess I should say Feliz Navidad then. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah, it's it's already here. It's the end of the year. Um, our our last episode before the holidays, and I guess you know, the way that we usually do it is we take a couple of weeks off and 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 don't run podcasts. So. So uh, what's weird. your plans? Well, it's so weird. <laughs> I, I miss doing podcasts with you every time we take our little break and we end the season. But it's nice. Just kind of recharge a little bit. You know, obviously it's the holidays. So, you know, doing mm-hmm. some family stuff. And, you know, the mm-hmm. girls are home from college and we're going to go right. out and do right. some activities. And you got a full house again. <laughs> we got a full house. Oh, my gosh. It's so nice. It's so nice just having the girls home and just hearing their stories and yeah. 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 It's, it's wonderful. How about you? What do you got planned? Uh, you know what? It's, I feel like every year my, my big activity, this sounds silly. I, I mean, same stuff right now. My kids have not gone away to college yet. So they're, they're here all the time. It's always a full house. <laughs> so we'll do, you know, the, the typical stuff. I'm sure I'll do some barbecuing and whatnot as usual. But what I always do at the end of the year is I, I, I do this little practice of, uh, cleaning up my, my photos on my uh, phone. Right. So I go through, I, I, everything gets uploaded to Google photos. The end of the year I go through and I kind of clean them out, get rid of duplicates, get rid of bad photo, you know, whatever. Right. And kind of, you know, but it's the greatest thing because it's like a recap of the whole year. So uh, yeah, it's like, I, you know, it's just fun. It's like, it's a way of decluttering, but it's also kind of a cool little fun way of recapping, uh, the year. And, um, New Year's Eve, like I rarely do anything. Um, but this year I think we're actually going to, we, we're, we're looking still <laughs> to try to figure this try out. Try to figure something out. So going yeah, back but I think we're photo. actually going to go out. Okay. Going back to your photos, when you kind of clean everything out and you kind of keep the good ones, do you do a big slideshow for the family or like what you kept? Well, I'm going to now. <laughs> so we did no, that actually, one year. We did that one oh, year. Oh, you did? I, I didn't necessarily clean everything out, but I kind of picked the best of for the year. And then I cast it onto the TV. Like I think we nice. did it New Year's Eve, actually. And oh, that's cool. that was kind of fun. We're just kind of like talking, oh, I remember that. I remember when we did that. You know, those types of things. Nice. Nice. Yeah. yeah well, we have those little Google home things, right? That that have mm-hmm. the photos rotating. So I just set the the new year like of different photos that are gonna show. So there actually it's a slideshow like year around. Uh right. for, from you know what I've what I've picked. But I just I leave all the old ones too. So each year we've got kind of this, this aggregate of all the cool moments in our lives, you know, running so, through, uh, running through our house. What do you do with that, with that little device? What is it called? I, I don't know. What I, called. I, anyway, I don't know. you know Over what we're home, talking about. Nest, whatever. Our audience yeah. hopefully knows what we're talking about. I gave those to the, uh, to the grandparents as presents one nice. year. And then we just send over the files so they get to see the grandchildren and what's going on in the mm-hmm. lives and all that kind of stuff. And they really appreciate it. That was one of the best gifts we, we gave them. Yeah. Yeah. I've, actually, I've set my mom up on one of these too. Actually, my sister did, not not I. Uh, I, I did, added the photos. She got the actual device and we've got that at my mom's house so that she can see you know, what's going on. I The problem is I can't add photos to it remotely, which is so lame uh, just because of the way that this one is configured. I have to actually like get with air, get on her computer. Like, I don't know. Oh, I see. Diff- I see. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. So maybe I'll, maybe I'll do that for the holidays as well and uh, send some updated photos up there and get that rolling. Well, enough about uh, us. I mean, the reason why I had some little Latin flair dancing 
was because, oh yeah you did yeah because our guest is not in america our right. guest is actually in costa rica right now yes yes uh, uh, all the way from costa rica richard blank how you doing gentlemen so great to be here with you this evening as we say here in central america Pura Vida. So what are you going to do to celebrate? In Costa Rica, we have many activities here in December. First is I love the Festival de la Luz, which is our own like Macy's Day Parade where they have all the floats and all the events that go down Main Street. And then another event that they have is called El Tope, where they have hundreds of beautiful horses with all the vaqueros and vaqueros and granjeros that they come out and they walk down Main Street as well. So that's one of my favorite parties of the year too. And a lot of it is with family. And we always have a tradition at my call center, we have a bowling party. So I rent the place for about eight hours and they can bowl until their hands fall off. And a lot of the times it's the (laughs) first time bowling for the agents and they love doing that too. So it's extremely festive down here. Oh, that is fun. That is fun. So you got to tell us a story. How did you get to Costa Rica and you're running a call center in Costa Rica? What got you there? Well, I was given a one in a million opportunity when I was 27 years old and I took it. But I don't think I would have chosen it if I didn't decide to be a Spanish communication major. And so when I graduated high school at Abington back in 91 in Northeast Philly, most of my friends were going to Ivy League. They were studying medicine law or doing engineering and architecture. I myself, my favorite class was Spanish. I also realized that you're making a huge decision in your life. And I knew that Spanish would open doors and it would give me it make me versatile and marketable. And so at 27, I went down to my friend's center for just a couple months to teach English. And if you can get past your parents' guilt, you can live anywhere. So I decided to make up my mind and stay. <laughs> and the next thing you know, here we are 22 years later, I learned the business from the inside and out. I didn't start C-level. I learned everything within a call center and I sat with the proletariat. I was in the cubicles, making the phone calls, seeing the good and the bad, breaking bread. And so I skipped a step. Instead of being a supervisor or a manager and becoming jaded, I went from an agent to an owner. And so I kept that sort of essence that I had. But this is the one thing, gentlemen, that I learned more than anything, that people needed their dignity. And they're not expendable in any sort of article. It doesn't have to be a call center. I also realized that if I ever had the opportunity of being a call center owner, I would extend as much empathy as I possibly could. Because call center work is undoubtedly some of the toughest work. It could burn you out. It could make you frustrated. But also, if you're very good at it, it could be one of the most lucrative careers that you could ever have. So I'm curious. You said you kind of worked your way up. How long did it take before you actually decided, hey, I'm going to run my own call center. I'm going to own my own place. That's an excellent question, Greg. Well, I tell you what. I mean, in my mid-30s. I believe that I had the impulse control. I was mature enough. And I also saved enough capital to start the business. And also, I didn't want to overextend myself. It was very easy for me to rent a turnkey station at a blended center where I could pay my taxes, the overhead, and make a margin. And then when you get to a couple dozen agents, it doesn't make sense to pay that top dollar. So what I decided to do is then rent some space and build out stations and buy the equipment. And there's certain things you can buy used. And in Costa Rica, it's extremely expensive for the importation taxes for cars and electronics. So Mm -hmm. there were a lot of businesses that were going, unfortunately, out of business. And I was able to pick up 
certain things for pennies on a dollar. So it was enabling me to ramp up quickly, do it conservatively. And as my grandmother told me, if you can't do it in cash, you just don't do it at all. And so I was able to weather an enormous amount of storms that happened with COVID and back in 2008, you know, with the setbacks of the states. And also, it it makes you financially responsible. It's not just about me. When you are feeding families and you meet these families after work, the parents and the husbands and wives and the children, you realize it's a little bit more than just yourself. And so if they're willing to walk with me, I will take that sort of time and attention in a sort of sacred way. And I guess business, the market speaks. There's a positive reinforcement to this. You hear the stories, if no one shows up at your Chuck E. Cheese party, you don't have any friends. And if you want to fire somebody and you want to give somebody a walk of shame and you make them cry, they're just going to quit. So you do not have that sort of leverage. It really is about meeting people in the middle and everybody leaves with something on the table. Yeah, you know, it's so refreshing to hear because I've heard like such horror stories lately (laughs) from 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 different people uh, of, you know, just owners, managers, just not caring, you know, like treating, you know, people as a uh, commodity, you know, like just something that. Oh, well, you know, if this person quits, I can get somebody else. I can, you know, it's, it's the assembly line, like let's squeeze somebody else in there. So it's, it's fantastic that you're doing that. Um, I, I want to look at the, the whole call center thing. What type of clients do you have at the call center? Well, I tell you five, I don't, I don't do sports books, casinos, stocks, pharmacies, or sweepstakes. We're in a very conservative Catholic country. So it's not that I can't fill the need of oh, any gotcha. sort of client. But it's really about the agent. They need to choose to make these calls. And so when you hear these horror Mm -hmm. stories, it's because people choose to make those calls. There's a thousand ways to earn a living. And if you're talented, you could do it the right way. And so, A, I'm conservative. But B, it's usually about companies in the Canada, United States, and some Central America that need lead generation, appointment setting, sometimes sales. We also do customer support and back office support and even non-voice support like chat and email support. But my agents Mm. are bilingual. They're dedicated, so they only work for your campaign. They're college educated. And they have some sort of vigor that I've never seen before. It's They still have the art of speech. (laughs) Most people today, gentlemen, would rather just text or send an email, and, and that's fine. But when you have somebody on the phone, You can retain that client. You can get a referral, might even get an upsell and possibly get some sort of feedback to keep that Mm -hmm. client or if they happen to leave you, what the competition did to earn that business. And so I think we're eliminating a lot of the value in this interpersonal communication that we have. And so getting back to my agents, I think it's phenomenal because anybody that's bilingual, guys, to me, that bears the mark of higher education. It's like seeing muscles or someone that plays the violin or can paint. You see the structure and discipline and cognitive skills. And then I can put fear into perspective. Learning a second language is 10 times harder than any campaign I've put you on. <laughs> I've tried. I, I can't do it. I can't do it either. I can't do it. I tried, right I tried coach. three different languages. Uh, <laughs> you, know which, you know which foreign language I landed up doing? Sign language. That, I, oh, really? that, was, that was my foreign language with sign language because for whatever reason, I could not pick up German, Spanish, or French. 
Tried all three. <laughs> couldn't do couldn't do either any of those three, but I could do sign language, and you know, so that was my. I took a yeah, I took I took a lot of sign language, and it actually helped me get a job or move up in the job. I was working at um, well then Security Pacific Bank, which was then purchased by B of A, and we had deaf employees, but mm. nobody could communicate with them. They were just writing stuff down to them, but they needed to be managed in a different way. They needed to be managed, not just in written form. So when I came in, I said, I said, you know, I know sign language. We can communicate. They promoted me to manager because I had the ability to obviously communicate with them and I had managerial nice. skills. So yeah, help me with upper mobility, knowing how to sign language. That's cool. My, my daughter's actually taking uh, sign language right now. As it's for, valuable. Uh, as for it really is valuable. There's a yeah, yeah. Um, so Richard, we, I know we gotta unfortunately take a uh, quick little break, but I want to come back and I want to ask you some of the challenges that people in Costa Rica have in communicating and working with people in America, not just on the language side. So we'll be right back and dive into that question. Welcome back to DIY for Business. Russ and Greg here with you. Check out all the fantastic episodes we have on the bestbusinessnetwork.com. We have so many different business podcasts that I think you're going to enjoy. Plus, if you're not just in the business, you want to check out other things, go to electrocast.com. We have so many different podcasts to enjoy over there. And I mentioned before, take a listen for some pickleball podcasts at thirdshotpodcast.com <laughs> exactly. as well. Oh, if you haven't listened about pickleball, it's time to start. Time to start. It's one of the and best edited shows on the planet. Absolutely. I'm, I'm just saying. I'm just absolutely. saying. <laughs> absolutely. You know what people can do, Greg? And I know, you know, we're, we're, we're taken away from your question here that you're about to ask our guest, but I just got to throw out this idea. Put it, you know, like you're sitting around at Christmas and you got the family over and you don't want to exactly have those family conversations perhaps, right? I'm just saying there's some people out there like that, that, uh, you know, yeah. maybe some awkward conversations where I like just throwing an AirPod in one ear and put on the Pickleball podcast. I like You'll be happy. You're going. I like where you're going with this. <laughs> Any way to get that podcast going. Absolutely. <laughs> exactly. Absolutely. I'm working for you, man. I'm trying. Well, All right. We're here with Richard Blank, and he and he owns a call center down in Costa Rica. And before we went to break, I was thinking to myself, like, okay, the language thing, obviously they're bilingual. So they they know how to, you know, communicate in that sense. But what's the biggest challenge you have in teaching Costa Ricans about American culture or Canadian culture where they can effectively, you know, do appointment setting or customer service. Because I know when I deal with a customer service agent that's not from this country, there are times, and I'm not going to say which country they're probably calling from, but there are times where I'm going, you have no idea what I'm going through or, you know, what it's like to experience what I'm experiencing in America. And I'm just curious, how do you go about teaching that or, or what's the process there? That's an excellent, excellent question. Uh, soft skills and composure. And I believe a certain amount of rhetoric and extreme active listening and engagement can reduce any sort of stress somebody has. But I can, I can give you some quick tips right off the bat. 
First is, since English is their second language, they might have an issue with vowels, and that's fine, A-E-I-O-U-I-E-O-U. So I asked them to write out the words phonetically. Still got to learn how to spell it. But if you can write yourself a cheat sheet and explain it properly so there's no strong accent there, that could reduce any sort of stuff. And so also it depends on the sort of time we have on a call. If given the luxury of time, we can always Google a certain location and you could start talking about things in that area of town that might seem familiar, depending on the vertical, of course. Now, let's just say you were mentioning earlier that you didn't understand how someone was feeling living in a certain part of the United States. Okay, fine. And I, and I understand that. I, I believe the best thing to do in regards to that, besides showing active listening, is repeating what you heard. So if you said ABC instead of one, two, three, I will confirm it. Thank you. And continue. I, I don't want to hedge that certain section, Greg, where I'm going to say that's great, okay, or wonderful, because it might not be. It might set you off because I might be answering it in a certain way. So if you're not sure, I always believe in that neutral sort of answering. And I don't like I'm sorry's or excuse me's. These are certain small swords you can fall upon to once again reduce any sort of rabbit holes and, and kill a tone. So usually it's for my clarification or for my edification. And then we repeat it again. I believe name drops are very important. We should do this for transitional sentences or any sort of tie down questions just to get a checkpoint to see if something makes sense or sounds good. I also believe in raking answers with people because if you gave me certain stuff, I can go over a list with you, but give certain pausings in between to see if you get a positive or negative reinforcement. If it's positive, take your horizontal to a vertical and start asking open-ended questions to let the client speak. So I might be able to answer the majority of your questions for you. And I think one of the most important things is military alphabet. You might have a very exotic name, and I'm not going to guesstimate the spelling of an email address. Imagine the embarrassment of that bounces back or doesn't arrive. And <laughs> one of the greatest compliments you can give somebody is to pronounce their name correctly. And so it's just social grace. And as long as you spell it correctly, pronounce it correctly, the next thing you know, things are doing well. But, you know, Russ and Greg, besides those points that I give out in my quality control for certain KPIs, I will give you the most points if the client says your name. Not in the introduction or in the conclusion, but in the body of the yeah. conversation, because that shows that you anchored with them. And so you ask me how to hit the bullseye. I don't know. But all I know is that if Russ and Greg is saying Richard's name, you got it. <laughs> you're holding on to it for dear life and, you, and you're going to win. And so that's where I want your focus to be. It's a little bit different than someone counting the clock, asking the questions, you know, flinching for the rebuttal. No, you, you search for that golden name drop that even if you need to speak about yourself in third person to remind you my name because you're embarrassed to ask, you're going to say, hey, Greg, at the end of this call, you're going to say, Richard, you are the greatest customer service rep. Yeah, I just reminded you and now you're telling me. And how about this? We heard it on the podcast earlier. <laughs> my dog was barking. Nice scrappy do making a cameo. And a lot of the times it could kill a call. <laughs> and so inadvertently and passive aggressively, you can let them know you love dogs. Then you got to do the smart thing. You ask the breed and you ask the name. You ask a couple follow-up questions. Not just, yeah, I love dogs. Put it outside. No, you, you don't do that. And that could be the moment 
where you anchor, put your selling aside, talk for a couple minutes. And now you're, now you're home free. And so I, I think Greg, these are the sort of things where if it happens naturally, there's a woo way to it, no forced fit. I'm using your name, Ross. I'm listening to you, Greg. I'm repeating. I'm buying 30 seconds. Don't be surprised if you're not converting 10-minute phone calls. And so I think these are the sort mm. of simple steps that people can take to not compromise their ethics. Richard, I had to throw that in. Uh, yeah. Are, are you – how much of the call uh, – yeah. <laughs> and, and how much Richard, of the call by is – the way, thank goodness your name is easy, Richard Blank, because we would yeah, have exactly. failed your test because we oh my God. so many Yeah, we, we struggle so often with names. We need a course on that you. as well. <laughs> it's perfect. Yeah, totally. Um, uh, although the last name is Blank. Uh, okay, so the question though is – see, I had to throw that in there. Um, how much of the calls that these that, that your team is making is is a script versus like kind of improving off the script, going different directions, and just you know reacting uh, to what the caller is saying? I could say about seventy five percent is scripted because I still need to qualify you and I need to clarify things and set an appointment or move things forward. But that twenty five percent random variable could be a company name spike in the beginning when you use your anonymity. So at least you reduce the secretary and gatekeeper's resistance by saying the name of the company better than they do, and then asking how the company is doing, which is almost like showing that I've been there before. Mm. How about this? There's a positive Mm -hmm. escalation that you can give somebody, where if I get assistance prior to being transferred to you, I'm going to let Greg know that Russ was amazing before transferring the call. I'm going to do it verbally, and then on an email, I'm going to do it in writing. That's putting me up in first and goal sort of percentages because most people don't do things like that. And then let's just say we're on the phone. You hear Mm -hmm. the dog. You're talking anniversary. I better stop, drop, and roll. Immediately start taking notes and listening to you. And there is a certain trick. You'll hear things in the background. I mean, most people are working from home now. And if you're very astute, if you're really paying attention – you can anchor on something there to assist the call. And so I think that it, it, it uh, allows an agent to really stay in a certain frame of mind for 30 seconds to two minutes to really like a boxer almost to see if I can make my performance and breathe when you're speaking to be completely in the moment and not distracted. And can I teach that stuff? I guess. Do you want to role play? We can role play. But you're talking about being spontaneous and off the cuff. That's being in a good mood that day. Mm. <laughs> you know, if something else is on your mind, you're not right. there. <laughs> but if but if you're completely balanced, right. you had a good breakfast, you know, you're in a great mood, you're just whipping it out left and right. I mean, you're, you're, your game is on. And you can tell when people are like that. And this is a very social game. It's a do, lot of synergy. How do you hire or screen for that type of person? There's two types. You have those with experience, and that's fine, but they're mercenaries. They usually go for the highest bidder. Sometimes there's no loyalty there. They could be coming in with extremely bad habits and being a cancer. I don't know if I want somebody like that. Maybe I want somebody that's raw, never worked in a center before, so they have no bad habits. I can mentor them. They could be molded mm-hmm. like a squire to a knight. You think that a CRM is complicated or a Plantronic headset? My brother, I can teach that to you in 25 minutes. 
that's not a problem. But if you're showing up <laughs> telling me stories, you want to, I can tell you another thing. When they're filling out their resumes and they're putting in all of their bells and whistles and telling me all these adjectives on why I should hire them, I ask them to turn that piece of paper all over and write me a couple paragraphs of a coming of age moment. Tell me a time you beat up a bully or you saved a kitten out of a tree. Can you think outside the box compared to your memorized 20 minute interview? And can I also so get like a gem out of this? I'm sorry? Yeah, you like storytellers. You like storytellers. Somebody can, you know, riff off a story and, and keep you entertained. That's a talent that. Yeah, but it's really got to be real. I want to know yes. that if it's a rainy Tuesday, is this the thing that if I remind you of, Greg, to give you that second win? Or are you just going to keep bragging about how you were a top supervisor at your last call center? I don't want to hear that. And a lot of the stories when people talk about <laughs> taking care of their families or having children at a young age are going through, and sometimes they really disclose like medical issues where they overcame some sort of mm. you know, challenge. I pause and it makes you very humble. And I'm going to revert back to being responsible for their income and their families. So Greg, my man, when I hear something like that and I see someone that's a marathon runner, a master of the violin or someone that's raising their grandparents, that's the person I want to hire immediately because I know that they have their priorities in check, not compared to the uh, Wolf of Wall Street guy that comes in that you want to hire because he's a hotshot. You know he's going to rip the phone, but he's also going to rip up your floor, and he's not going to stay long. Mm. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, you got some guy that's just jumping and – you, you might want them. You, you could possibly get a Dennis Rodman. Well, they'll be the number one rebounder, but they have some sort of antics. But <laughs> maybe you could be the one coach they never had that called the balls and the strikes or a teacher that was a straight shooter that literally said, mm -hmm. yo, man, fix your tie. Or why aren't you showing up on time? This is the kind of stuff where I might call them out on it because I want you to be the best you could be. It's not playtime anymore. And I know their potential. And they know I know their potential because if they think that they can make a, I can't say better phone call than me, but if they think they can wield a sword better than I can after 22 years in this industry, running a center, writing <laughs> rhetoric and doing this training, then by all means, show me what you got. And some of them try and some of them are amazing. But in the end, they realize that my composure, my balance, my structure, my mindset is something where I've earned their respect. They're public speakers. My vocabulary entices them. They realize I can really rip this. And so it might give me a chance to get one of these wild stallions that you see and really teach them how to run around a track and be that sort of professional. Nice. And uh, well, you know what? Actually, I, I can't ask another question right now. I'm going to have to hold my question because we do have to take another break. Uh, when we come back, we'll continue the conversation. I, I want to know when to use a call center. Like, when should we do that? Well, we'll find out right after this on DIY for Business. Thanks for listening and subscribing to DIY for Business, a part of the best business network in Electrocast Media. 
Coming up on the holidays here, it's a great time to review our entire past catalog of, of all the shows, because, you know, that's what you want to do with your holiday break. Uh, head over to DIY for businesspodcast.com. Check out uh, all the past episodes. Uh, there's also, I mean, there's episodes like on communication, getting along with people, all these different things, like great topics, not just for business, but for your life as you're, uh, as you've got family, uh, coming in over the holidays here. Uh, okay. Before we go, uh, away for the holidays, uh, we're doing a show here. We're, we're talking about, um, a, a call center. And what I realized is like, I don't know when to actually jump in and use a call center. Richard, when should we like, uh, when should an entrepreneur use a call center and what's the best utilization of a call center? Well, Russ, I believe if they want to scale, and if they want to concentrate on other areas of their business with their time and efforts. Uh, someone should, though, at least make the phone calls and get some sort of feedback in regards to their list, their script, and their presentation. But once they have that down pat, they should definitely expand and have people making calls to them or even receiving the calls on their end. Call centers can work in regards to search engine optimization. They can do uh, you know, voicemail. Hmm. I mean, there's just so many different ways in which I can touch it. But how about this? The infrastructure. We have predictive dialers here. So you can dial multiple lines at one time, really have almost a 58-minute talk time per hour sort of ratio. We have a quality control department. So there's sort of gradings that we can do. And besides that, you do have individuals that have the endurance, the mindset, They're professionals in making these calls and they have the thick skin. They can take rejection and hangups. And so if somebody once again wants to mentor and work with the company and share ideas and, you know, invest in a process to build a lead source, a funnel, a certain way where you don't miss out on any business, call centers are an excellent solution. And even if you don't have enough work for full time, there are centers out there that do pay per minute or pay per call. We don't do that, but these are blended centers that can handle a graveyard shift for you. Or if you happen to be on a phone call and you want someone to answer that call, it can be in a queue and get moved forward to somebody to do that answering service for you. And so I I do believe, and I'm going to say it again, that the best form of business is live interpersonal communication. It's much better than just filling out a form, sending an email and sending a chat. I couldn't agree with you more. And a lot of what you teach is listening, right? It's active listening, being in the moment, and really understanding what people are saying and comprehending what people are saying. And you have a philosophy around that, that you kind of teach reading verbal tells. Like I, I'm a poker player, right? So, you know, I got the visual tells like when, you know, when they're breathing hard or they're gulping, you know, they're, they're taking a big gulp or, you know, they, they flinch a little bit. But that's that's visual, right? You could see it. But there's verbal tells as well. T- tell us a little bit about what you teach and what you're having your call center listen for. Oh, absolutely. Making these calls myself, it seemed monotonous. It was repetitive. You know, I mastered that. What other levels could I go to? I realized I can bite an apple when juggling. And I also realized there are patterns. Just like you, my friend, visually, you saw a consistent variable and inconsistencies. Well, for me, there's phonetic micro-expression 
reading. Okay, this is sight on scene. And phonetics is broken down into four sections. You have your tone, rate, pitch, and duration. And let's just for argument's sake, look at 30 second to two minute intervals as our communication here. Your tone of voice should always be consistent. I believe it always should be confident and empathetic. People talk about mirror imaging technique. Well, I wouldn't match someone's tone of voice if it were negative. So let's just keep it as a doctor, as a lawyer, or someone that's a confident parent that you believe in. That's the sort of tone you want to give. It's very reassuring. But you want to match their rate of speech and their pitch, their speaking levels. Why do we do this? Well, A, if you crosstalk or interrupt, that's on you. You're not going to get a clean read. But if somebody is doing a spike or a dip, in regards, and it doesn't have to do with semantics. There's no words there, not even the tone. I'm just purely going on sound of how fast and how loud. If there is a spike or a dip, you should be asking a tie down or a clarification question during that time. But then again, those things could be manipulated. Your tone rate and pitch could easily be manipulated. That's why I believe the, the greatest tell sign, and this is the funny thing because I'm talking phonetics, is answering speed. It's actually the silence. You know, subconsciously, you're lucky if you can do it four out of 10 times. It's more of the id. And so you could be provoked. And so this sort of distance in regards to somebody answering you is the actual insurance policy from your rate and your pitch XY chart. If you think about it like eighth grade pre-algebra, you can almost mark your four quadrants on how loud, fast, low, and slow someone is speaking. And these people are not consciously aware of doing this. And after you see it, you can't unsee it. In about two to three weeks, it becomes habit. And so it's almost like someone that cuts hair for a living. They can look at everyone's hair and kind of know the style or someone that's an architect and tell you about you know, certain uh, columns and, and weight distribution. And for me, and just like you, Greg, you're mentioning, you see tell signs, you see it. Me, I think the purest form of communication is verbal. Because congruence is when audio matches the visual, and usually it's inconsistent. And so let's think about, yeah, and you're talking about learning sign language, and one of the greatest communicators, the master communicator of all time, was Helen Keller. And there's a Helen Keller Institute here for blind and deaf children. Now, the late Helen Keller lost her, her sight and her hearing. We on the phone, we were taking away our taste, touch, and smell. The scientists say that your senses should be expanded when they're taken away. And so once again, Helen Keller mastered so many mediums of communication and, and all of the presidents like Eisenhower and Kennedy wanted to meet her, and she was a phenomenal. And so with all due respect to this master communicator, I wanted to take advantage of this special superpower. We talked about active listening. It should be there. You can't see anybody. So you should be attentive. But there's nothing wrong with descriptions. There's nothing wrong with, with image streaming because they claim that books are better than the movies. And there's nothing wrong with using a thesaurus. So there's similes that are there to be able to expand your vocabulary and make your language a little bit more colorful. You're going to capture the moment. You're going to really describe what you see to the client. And so you're asking me earlier about the 25%. Well, a lot of it has to be paint, my friend. This is not a print. I expect some sort of life to these calls. And by 
utilizing this non-visual where in my mind you still see somebody because of metaphysics. How can you read a book and still have imagery? So I, I don't have the time or even the understanding really to break it down, but I know that I can utilize that sense and that should be expanded. And so you're not really catching somebody lying, but they may be facetious or overextending themselves. And so if there is that code red where they're inconsistent, my opinion would be to ask them to clarify it, possibly in one of the other senses. Because if you can explain it in the most simplest of terms, you understand it well. And if you're trying to jumble it up with a lot of fancy words and zig and zag what you're saying to me, and you're really not consistent, it's almost like fusion, then I don't know what to do because you're not consistent. And either you're playing me, I'm playing you, or just I just don't know you. And so these are the sort of things that have been helpful for me to be able to know when to interject and to clarify or to repeat something because someone's reaction. You might say, well, Richard, it's obvious. Well, sometimes it's not because this is a first time. Strangers are friends you haven't met yet, and this is a first time read. And so I believe that if you keep this sort of structure and you're consistent with it, you may save a Thanksgiving dinner, a marriage, or a good client. How about this? Time out for a second. If you gentlemen give me the luxury of time, if there's not that much of a sense of urgency, I'm allowed to sleep on it, write a draft, not send it, or come back the next day with priorities. A lot of the times I'm going to say, Russ, I do apologize for yelling yesterday. Greg, please pardon my tone. I know I was interrupting a lot. I was just, I was just nervous or something. And so there's a great way to reset and not make it a deal breaker. And you don't need to win this one. I'd rather win you as a friend still and not have you leave. And so I think that's a lot to do with maturity and growing up. And so the greatest thing, gentlemen, is to walk away a moment and to see if once you decompress that sort of stimulation, if that hits. And, you know, I, I think what's going to happen to your amazing audience, because they're very bright, they're, they're, they're going to become a lot more clear. It's going to be a lot more lucid for them. And just like fire, you could use it to cook your meals and to give light and life, but it can also burn somebody. And once you have this skill, like being bilingual, or going to the gym and being strong and stuff. When that tongue and those ears get a little bit sharper, you could be calling some people out. Or you once again, people could see you, that you are not bragging, but you're overconfident with yourself. Well, absolutely, because I know the score. And I think that's what we're trying to do today, to not compromise our ethics or values, but, but just to give you that sort of protective bubble to just to look around and to understand your surroundings a little bit better. Yeah, absolutely. Our audience got a treat today for the holidays. Exactly. Uh, Richard, <laughs> thank you so much for joining us. Thank you like for, for sharing this, uh, this information with us. And uh, I, I was just going to say, I really appreciate being here for the holidays. It's amazing. If anybody has the chance to come visit Costa Rica, you would love it. We're north of Panama, south of Nicaragua. It's tropical weather. We're known for ecotourism and nothing better than uh, Christmas on the beach. That oh, man. Great. If I make it down there, I'm going to call you first. We're going to get together. <laughs> you got it, Greg. 
Hey, thank you for listening and subscribing to DIY for Business, a part of the best business network and Electrocast Media. All the topics that we cover here on DIY for Business are, well, they're opinion-based. And you might consult a professional. You might want to consult a professional to discuss. I totally screwed that up. All the information provided is opinion-based, and you might want to consult a professional to discuss your exact business situation. See, that's, that's where I edit. Greg and I want your company to succeed, and we are happy to take your questions. And we would also love to hear your suggestions for future episodes. If there's an area where you need solid business advice or help with anything, let us know. Hey, we've got a couple of weeks to read some emails here while we're away for the holidays, so get those in right now. Head over to DIYforbusinesspodcast.com and complete the form there. And hey, you might hear your show. It, it would be your show. Like we come up with the whole idea based on what you're telling us. Hey, we thank you again for listening and subscribing to DIY for Business and hope you have happy holidays. DIY for Business, you are not alone. Introducing the Deep Leadership Podcast. Leadership is a people business. That's the philosophy of your podcast host, John Rennie. As a former submarine officer who spent 22 years leading businesses in corporate America before starting his own manufacturing business, he knows that leadership matters. Leadership matters. Deep Leadership is real-world, actionable leadership advice from John and his expert guests. Become a leader worth following. Subscribe today. Electric Acid. Hi, I'm Sherilyn Fenn from Twin Peaks. What did you do on your last Saturday night? It's a new scripted podcast series that starts right at the beginning of lockdown when a single mother and out-of-work writer named Gigi realizes that everything is about to change. Did you hear something? Toilet paper. People are hoarding it. I should have done that. The Last Saturday Night, an Electricast podcast. You'll love it. Available to stream now on all podcast platforms. Electricast. Electricast.